four, five weeks ago now, I guess, looking at an enormously important topic. I mentioned last Sunday night that sometimes the things that we're interested in are not terribly important, but we might be very interested in them. Sometimes the things that are very important, we might not be that interested in, and you can't afford to make that mistake. This subject is very important. It's the renewing of our mind. And to put it bluntly, the way the Bible puts it, nothing in your life will change unless your mind changes. It's like the control station. It says it in many ways throughout the scriptures. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And what that means is basically we will never surpass our own thinking. Some people have a very low opinion of themselves. And it's reflected in their lives, reflected in the way they live. And that is a very sad thing. Romans 8 Verse 6 says that the carnal mind, that's the natural mind, the carnal mind is death. Now, we're, we're all, you were born with a carnal mind, friend. And when you got saved, what happened to your mind? Nothing. When you got saved, God breathed His Spirit into you, but you still had a carnal mind. And you may still have now. So it is, there, there, there are things in life that God does, and there are things that you must do. And this is one of the things that we have the responsibility to do, to renew our minds. And that's Paul's conclusion. Romans 12, verses 1 to 3, he comes to his conclusion. He says, therefore, we will only be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, the scripture says many things about this. In one place, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. Now, this is a a very interesting and crucial point. Paul says, I have the mind of Christ. So do you. Now, where is it? Where is the mind of Christ? If Paul says, I have that and that's in me, where is it? Do you know where it isn't? (laughs) In here. You see, if we're born again, you have the Holy Ghost in you, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit lives in you. And through the Holy Ghost in you, you can know the mind of Christ. You can know the will of Christ. But it's important that we realize where that is. It's not up here. It's down there. And the the process of work that we are to go through, of transformation we're to go through, is to pull that mind up and start to live everyday life from the Spirit. It's called the spiritual mind. The carnal mind, the natural mind that you were born with and still had when you were born again is death. And that's why you can see so many people, oh yes, they're born again. Absolutely. Maybe been born again for 10, 15, 20 years. But they haven't changed a bit. They've still got the same hang-ups, still got the same problems as they had at that first or before they got saved. Not recognizing these key things. This is crucial. You see, when God speaks to you, He doesn't speak to your mind. He speaks to the spiritual part of you. He speaks right into that, your spirit, right? That's what He did when He walked up to Peter. Remember Peter? He was a reed, a swaying individual, and Jesus almost can't help himself. He walks up to Peter and speaks of the future because he could see, he was speaking into his spirit. You are Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and Peter's what, me? Yes, you. I'm not talking to this reed. I'm not talking to the way you think of yourself. I'm speaking right into the heart of you, Peter. Right? That's the eyes of Christ right there, the eyes of Jesus that could see the potential in him, and he can see the potential in you. 
and will only speak to that. Well, he'll speak into your future. Or Gideon, it was the same thing. God turns up to a, a quivering, frightened Gideon and says, mighty man of valor. Gideon's mind didn't think like that, but God did. And God spoke to that spiritual man, the real Gideon actually, because that's the real you, the spiritual you. And more and more, that's got to become our reality. So one of the goals of this series is to take the mind of Christ from your spirit and to start to control this mind, to renew this mind. And that involves, as we've begun to do, the changing of my mentality. What's my mentality? Well, your mentality is your disposition, your way, your attitudes. Paul calls it the attitude of my mind, your character, your makeup. It's very, very far-reaching, actually, the control of a person's mentality. And over these first few weeks, we've just begun to name a few and to start to pull down a few. There's mentalities, and every person here has got a different mentality. It's the, it's, it's the way we were raised, we were brought up, and we were just formed that way. But you can't just let it be, because this has got to be my mentality. I've got to start to believe and live out of what God says about me. And we just take some typical ones, and then when we get into the habit of how to break a negative mentality, we'll learn how to deal with any situation. So we began by looking at poverty mentality and how to destroy that in us. Then we looked at manna mentality. Then we looked at an inferiority complex, or the way the Bible puts it, is a grasshopper mentality. Today we're going to look at visionless mentality. And this one is, well, it's painful, to be honest, in so many people's lives, not having a vision. Not knowing what your life is all about. Not knowing where you're going. And once again, the scripture has many, many things to say to you about the dangers of not having a vision for your life. What does it say in the Bible? Without a vision, you're going to perish. That's you it's talking about. Without having a vision for your life, you will perish. What does that mean? Die? No, not quite. It's a different word. They would have used the word die if they used a different word, it's the word perish. And it's like, the picture there is like an old shoe. If you can imagine that with the sole worn out completely, so you can't even use the shoe anymore. And the question it, it, it provokes is this. Is the shoe a shoe? Anybody say no? If you can't use it as a shoe, if it's not usable, is it worthy to even be called a shoe? Is it a shoe or is it not? Well, the answer is actually there's a word for it. The word is perished. It may have the form, but it doesn't have the function. It may look like a shoe, but you can't actually use That word is perished. The shoe is perished. It's not usable. And many Christians, you see, without a vision, people perish. That shoe with no soul has got the form, but not the function. Many Christians perish. They have the form, but they're not functioning in the kingdom. Oh, they go to church. They praise God. They pray. They worship. And we can do all these things, but actually still be perishing. Because we've got no vision. Without a vision, people perish. And it's not just that. It's far-reaching. A lack of vision in you for your future. The, the, uh, where is it? Scripture says, people without a vision cast off restraint. In other words, they live lawlessly. Don't see the point. Haven't got a purpose in life. So I challenge you this morning and myself as well. Catch a hold of the vision that God has for you. 
A visionless Christian is a miserable being. A visionless Christian, that's a, a miserable life. And another thing, without a vision, you will always see the negative. There'll never be enough money. That's how you'll see the world. That's how you'll see your life. Because vision brings with it faith. And you just can't look at anything negatively. Faith is a great thing, a living thing. Right? People without a vision, they'll never have enough money. They'll always be ready to quit. They have a can't-do attitude, not a can-do attitude. Nothing is ever enough. And that's, that's not the way we should be. Praise God, as a church, I think we have a very, very lively vision. And part of the reason for that is because the vision of this church is shared amongst us. We understand it, and many people follow that, and that's just fantastic. One of the tricks the devil plays on people is this. He tries to get you to think that vision is just for leaders. He tries to get you to think that vision is just for apostles or pastors or prophets. But it isn't, because it's true of you that without a vision, what's going to happen to you? You're going to, look at me, listen, without a vision, you're going to have the form of a Christian, but not function in the kingdom. And you're going to throw off restraint and live whatever way you want. That's what the Bible says. Now you begin to see how important it is. A few months ago, our, our, our worldwide overseer came in here from Singapore, Pastor Rick. And this church broke through where, where many, unfortunately, have not done. And I sat down with him for a cup of coffee. He was saying, well... How, how has this happened? Because whatever has happened here, we need to replicate that in our other churches. How did you break through? And my answer was immediate, truthful, and simple. Because of the leaders. Because of Chris. Eileen. Leanne. Pui. John. Isabel. Agnes. And Joseph. And on and on we go. Because of the people who didn't pull out when we came in. Because they see where we're going. Because they have a vision. For the people like Margaret, like Sheila, like Martha, who've been here for years and years. And have you any idea the amount of change that's happened here? Some of them can tell you. <laughs> Enormous change. But just like a pillar, many of these individuals wouldn't let go. They stood tall, stood strong, and as all the changes took, never wavered, and my answer to Pastor Rick was very truthful, very honest, and very simple. The reason the church is growing is because the leadership know why we're here. They've got a vision. They haven't pulled out. And more, much more laterally, of course, a whole load of other people have come in to gather around that. You need a vision. Not just the leadership. Every person needs a vision. You're being robbed, by the way, if you haven't got one. Every single member here you need to buy into it because it's yours. In Bible college, actually in, in Singapore, I remember one pastor telling a story. He didn't know about church planting. He didn't understand too much stuff. He, you know, hadn't been in the kingdom long and he was there to study. And one day he was in the church. The church was empty. But there happened to be a cleaner in the place. And the woman was cleaning the pulpit. So she was up there like, and she's sort of, you know, polishing away. And the pastor's just praying and he's sitting there and he sees this woman. And something prompts him to say to her, what's your ministry? You see? And he said, and it just goes on and on inside him until he says, <coughs> hi, what's your ministry? And the woman says, uh, I'm a church planter. 
said, okay. And he couldn't help, he wanted to continue. He said, did you plant churches then? Oh, yeah, all over the world. So where, where have you been? Where have I been? Oh, me and uh, nowhere. Nowhere. Oh, I see. And then she got it. She said, listen, I'm part of the church. We plant churches all over the world. 70 nations. If I don't do my job, the pastor can't do his job. And then if he can't do his job, they, I, I'm a church planter. Didn't you realize? That's a good attitude. You see, that's a person with a vision who can get up in the morning and be full. The devil wants to rob you of that. He wants to take that from you and to despise what you do. Don't fall for it. Let's do whatever we do and understand. You know, the church is four things. The church is his. Amen? His church. But the church is also yours. And the church is ours. And the church is mine. And every person must be able to say, this church is mine. And that's what God wants. It's holistic. The church is his. The church is yours. The church is ours. And the church is mine. And if we get that completely and believe that completely, we can start to move in vision together. It's a very important point. A few weeks ago, one of the Scots here, one of the local Scottish people in this church, came up to me and said, we're a very international church, but why do we not get more Scots? <laughs> now, you see, if you don't understand that, you can start to perish. If you don't understand where we're at and what part of life we're at, excuse me for jumping forward here, you may have seen this before. This is what's called Roger's adoption theory. I love this. This helps me understand my life. The adoption means the adoption of anything, anything you, you know? I remember when microwaves first came out, my mother wouldn't have one. She thought they were dangerous. It took years. And, you know, some people, when the microwaves came out, they were the innovators. They were the first one to get one, right? Some people are laggards, like my mum, with regards to that. It took her about a decade before she would heat anything in it, right? So this is like the, uh, a graph that tells us the way people adopt to new ideas. Now, I want you to see this because I want you to understand yourself. I want you to understand where we're at as a church and where we're going. God wants to do something new in Scotland. So where's he going to go? <laughs> is he going to go to the Church of Scotland? Nothing against the Church of Scotland. But he, he sort of said he would never do that, didn't he? I will not pour new wine into old wineskins. Jesus says that's foolish. So you're, let's put yourself in God's position. You want to do something in Scotland. You want to do something new. You want to stir things up. Where are you going to go? What church are you going to go to? It's not so easy. Because people have formed structures to sort of keep him out. <laughs> right? And this is where the innovators come in. This is where missionaries come from. So God still today sends missionaries all over the world. People who will not be burdened by the local problems. Every nation has its problems. Heavinesses, you know, burdens, dominions, powers. So God sends missionaries out. They're called the innovators. In the case of this church, they came from Singapore. And those innovators come. They're not bogged down by the local negativities or problems. They don't have them. They start to, to innovate and to church plant. Now the next group in are the early adopters. Right? Next group, the early majority, late majority, this is a, a, a worldly display here, but the same thing applies to the church. In fact, the same thing applies to this church. The innovators came from Asia. And they began to plant this. The early adopters 
are the internationals, right? Pakistan, India, all over Africa, right? America, from the different parts of the world. People have come in. These are early adopters, and they form part of your initial crew. Now, my, my point to this Scot who was asking me the question, he was saying, where are the Scots? And I was basically saying to him, the Scots are the late majority, friend. We're not there yet. We're still building. We're in new wineskin. And we're still, do you know where we are? We're here. We're right there. We're not here. We haven't grown great. We're here. The innovators have done their job very, very well. Their early adopters are in. The internationals are in. And we continue to grow, probably largely, with a lot of mix of culture until this point, and then, boom, we will get a lot of Scots. A flood. It's the late adopters, the late majority. Right? Now, if you don't see that, and if you can't understand that, you start to lose vision. And then you start to lose hope, or you don't know where you're going. Sometimes God requires us to walk in faith, and you may not be you know, clear about things, but sometimes He doesn't. Sometimes it's pretty obvious. It's pretty clear where we're going and where we're at. Amen. You see, you have a vision. You have a purpose. You have a task. It is fantastic. It's fresh. It's new. Something God is doing. But the devil doesn't want you to know about it. He wants you just to get stuck in the rut. Just to go through, be your old religious self. Don't change. And how boring is that? Let's not do that, amen? Let's not perish. But let's grab a hold of the vision and just walk in it. Let me show you an example of this in Numbers. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. This is Caleb. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. You know the story. They sent the spies in, into the promised land and 12 of them, 10 of them came back with a negative report and two of them came back with a positive report and that was Joshua and Caleb. And God severely rebukes these people and judges them for their negativity. It says in verse 24, but because, this is God speaking, but because my servant Caleb had a different, and look at that word different, had a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. And it wasn't just Caleb, it was also Joshua. See that word different in your Bible. That word different is next. It's the, it's the Hebrew word akur, A-C-H-I-R. And the word means next. And what God was saying is, Caleb is a man of the next spirit. Caleb is a man of the following spirit is another way of looking at it. And basically what you've got here, if I can go back to my chart, you're in the wilderness. They're down here. And God approves of Caleb and Joshua because their mind is here. They're already there in their mind. Even though the circumstances are wilderness, even though there's lots of pressure and all that, nonetheless, Caleb was able to see over all the problems. That's vision. And thus he was able to speak his vision, walk in his vision, and be determined to fulfill it. And Joshua the same. And God commends that. You notice he doesn't commend those who stand still. Doesn't commend those who can recognize the surroundings they're in. But he's speaking to them, and, and Caleb receives it here, right? Not just here, but here, and lives out of that, and that's fantastic. Next, the word different in your Bible is the word next. Caleb was a man of the next version of himself. Folks, I hope you haven't stopped growing. I hope you haven't stopped changing. I hope there's current change in your life. 
taking place because there needs to be. We are to grow from strength to strength, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. It's a whole process here for you. And God beckons you into it. There's another version of you, if we can put it that way. There's the you that's sitting here this morning. I hope that's not the same you that was here last Sunday or last year. I hope that's not the same you. I hope we've arrived at the next version of you. There's another you for your attitudes. Amen. There's another you in a level of faith. There's another you for grace, for power, for authority. There are other versions of you still to come. This is what he's commended for. God says, well done, Caleb. Even though you were there, you'd come out of slavery. You were already in the next version of yourself. You already saw yourself as a conqueror in that promised land. And that's what he's trying to get us to do here. We need to be continually, and, and it needs to be evident, right? It should be evident that we are moving. That I am not the person that I was. You cannot do that if you don't change your mind. It isn't going to happen. As a man thinketh, that's how he is. Caleb was thinking correctly. And thus he lived correctly and worked it out. You can't keep your old thinking and expect to be a conqueror. It's not going to happen. You know, the Romans had some terrible practices, didn't they? If you were a murderer in Roman days, do you know what they did? They took the body of the person that you murdered and bound him to you, arm to arm, leg to leg, tied the person to you and sent you out into the wilderness, carrying the person you killed. And you were left to rot and die. Well, you know, terrible as that sounds, it's not a lot different for us. If we carry around this stinking thinking, this old man that I remember from before I was saved, what's he still doing here? Why is he still speaking, saying the things I say? Why have I not changed? Scripture has severe warnings on this, right? You will perish without a vision, without the renewing of that mind. Now, the first thing I want to say this morning is, is vision is crucial because it gives you direction and I, I hope you have that. I hope you have a direction in your life. If not, praise God, this is a good time to seek it, a good time to get engaged with God. The second thing about vision is it will move you towards destiny. It will help, it will propulse you on like that. God describes himself in Scripture, remember, in, in, in three different ways. He says he's the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. In other words, he's been functioning, he functions at different stages of history out of different attributes. And in some ways, there is a you. There is a version of you that was. And there is a version of you today and this morning, right here, that is, but that is not it. There is a version of you that is to come. And that's what God spoke to in Caleb. And that's what God wants to speak to you this morning, to that version of you, to the next you. To be a person of the next spirit. A person who can receive that word like Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church. Right? And we need to be open and ready and willing to receive that. There's a version of me that was. There's a version of you that was. But I hope you can leave that firmly in the past. And come out of it. And don't let it dog you down in your present. Amen. There's a version of you that is. You're here this morning. Amen. Right? And that's okay. But we can't get stuck in that, can we? Because that's not the next me, is it? The version of me that is, I mustn't cling to. And this affects church, you see. 
Churches need to always be thinking of the next version in every department. Be worship, for example. There's a version of worship currently taking place in this church, and we're trying to move to the next level. How are we doing that? Well, we've provided the worship team with incoming worship leaders on Sunday evenings twice a month so that they can come have an evening off and sit and experience different types of worship. But if you cling to one style, if you cling to that which was, or even that which is, you're failing to move to the next level, the next version of you. We can be our own worst enemy. There's a version of us in our prayer life as a church. For instance, we didn't always have all night prayer, right? But prayer also, we should be moving in our experiences of worship, moving in our prayer life, moving in our evangelism, there is a version of you that was. I hope you're not still there. There's a version of you that is, but you can't even get stuck there. You mustn't cling to the things you like or become accustomed with. Comfort zone, wilderness. We've always got to be heading towards that which is to come. And in our case, in the case of this church, that which is to come is international. Amen. Made up of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And that's why we need to diversify a lot of our evangelism styles, our worship styles, our prayer styles, to incorporate the full body of Christ. I guarantee you, the church at the end of time, by every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And that which was, the traditional churches all over this world, are going to wither and close. And the children of God will gather together in cities all over the world from every tribe every tongue just as cities are becoming internationalized it's the preparation of the bride of christ for that rapture we will come together all over the world in city after city after city take a look around you it's happening right here right now that's a vision and you can see it and then you can start to open up and say hey you know some of you guys come and lead. Some of the Indians, lead the prayer. Show us what you do. Some of the Pakistanis, you lead. Some of the Africans, you lead. Some of the Scots, you lead. And you start to see what you've missed. You start to realize the poverty of your past. Right? Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I was preaching in a church in, in uh, Scotland here. But la- last year sometime. And I was there. I was on the front row of the pastor. And the worship was going on. Man, it was good but not that good. And I stood, and he's a good guy, I know him, and it's quite a big church, and we're worshipping away. I was thinking, it's really good, but it's just not that good. What's missing here? And I turned around and looked, everyone was white. (laughs) Everybody was white! I thought, that's it! That's it, that's what's wrong. But of course, they had never known any different. Never known any different. And so they didn't know their own poverty. They didn't know the dynamic they were missing. Didn't know the voices. Every nation has a redemptive purpose. Every nation has got something special within them. And you can experience that and enjoy that. Right? But we tend to exclude that. But the old you, the old person will never be able to cope with that. Do you know most racists on earth are the elderly? true i'm telling you i'm telling you a fact it is older people because the cities have changed the cities have changed the schools have changed and now they did a documentary on it about three weeks ago on sky 
about how the schools, the kids are growing up with every color and every nation in their schools. And they don't have the same problems that our previous generations had. They look and think, well, what are you talking about? Why have you got this prejudice or that? That's the end times church. Where we no longer see it, we're literally colorblind. That's what God's looking for. A merging of our cultures. Amen? That's what we're doing. That's vision. So own it. Be part of it. Be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Amen? So vision will give us, let me just get that back. Vision will give us direction in life, number one. Secondly, vision will give you motivation to to move towards your destiny. And God wants you to be flexible, to be open to change. If you're not, I tell you, I wouldn't want to be, you know, an old wineskin in the decades that are coming. I wouldn't want to be around because you're going to be very bored as a Christian. You're going to have to be more flexible than ever. You're going to have to keep up to speed with God to keep moving, right? Because things are changing so fast. I'll say it again, folks. Take it as a warning. If you don't learn to change constantly, you're going to get very bored as a Christian. You could run into danger. The Bible says live lawlessly because change is here to stay. We're going to morph into that body of Christ. Fantastic, wonderful, but it's going to require you to change. I have a friend called Shane Comiskey. And Shane communicates with me financially in terms of our church worldwide. And every now and again, he'll send me like a spreadsheet. But I can never open them because Shane is so up. He's an innovator, you know. He's so up to date with every program he uses, I never quite catch up with him. Now, you see, because he's ahead of me in that way, I can't work with him. He sends me the stuff and I have to communicate. Shane, I, 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 I can't open that program. And he said, well, you better get with it then, haven't you? Catch up. But you see, it's the same with God. As God starts to move in Glasgow, are you going to be out of date? Are you going to be behind the curve? Missing it, is that it? You better get live update and keep moving with the times. Keep shifting, right? Amen. Things are moving at such a a huge, in a few weeks' time, we're going to start a series on, on end times. Just looking at the days in which we live because it is flabbergasting. I was holding a book the other day about last days. Jeanette passed it to me. We've had it in our library for years. Falling apart. And the title of the book says this. When money fails. Ah, Written in something like the 60s or 70s. When money fails. I was thinking you could pick up the newspaper. There it is. Getting ready for the last days. Get ready for the end times. This is the day prophesied of. You need a vision, and you need it now, right now. Don't get robbed of it. Don't get robbed of it. You'll perish. You'll have the form of a Christian, but not the function. You'll live like a sinner. Live lawlessly, the Bible says. That's the last point, actually, this morning. First, to understand vision and understand where you're going gives you direction. Second, it will motivate you to move towards that vision, and you'll need that. And thirdly, without vision... The Bible says people cast off restraint. They live whatever way they want. Look, if you have struggled with discipline all your life, maybe there's some things that natural, other forms of discipline won't do for you. Vision will. When you get a vision. The motivation that comes with that vision can help you change and help you move. I believe this is how God speaks to people. 
right? All the time. He takes people who, who are struggling like Peter. He was a reed, struggling with any form of structure or discipline in his life. And what does he do? He gives them a vision. And that helps Peter to conform himself to the will of God. You see, having a vision can greatly help your personal life, your devotional life, your disciplined life. In 1 John 3 verse 2, it says that anyone who has this hope within him, what? Purifies himself. Himself. Not needing someone else to do it. Anyone who has a vision, if you like, within themselves doesn't need someone else to come and gear them up and stir them up. They're already doing it. He disciplines himself. Whoever has vision and whoever lacks it lives lawlessly. I want you to see something else as well. If you move in to the next version of you, to that which is to come, the wonderful thing is you can leave your past. And many people come to churches, you know, week after week, day after day, and they tell you, oh, I've been struggling with this problem for 10 years. Have you? Have you really? Well, that's telling a tale right there because you haven't moved for 10 years then. Every, you always have problems in life. There's always issues. There's always battles in every Christian's life, but they're different. So the problems you face here as a believer, at, at, at the, the you that was, is very different when you move on. The problems change. And then when you keep on moving, you're not dealing with the same problem. The demons that have authority and power over you now will not have authority, will not have power when you move with God. Amen. Right? So when you hear people say, I've been struggling, you know, with an addiction or with this problem or that problem or poverty for 10 years, you haven't changed, friend. That's the root of that. The demons of your past have no, again, live update or antivirus is a good example, right? Because if you update, there, there are problems that can attack your PC right now, amen? But when you update, they don't have an effect anymore, right? You're protected against that. And so it is with the Christian walk. No problem having problems, battles, issue, issues that we fight over, fight against the devil. But there is a problem when those issues are the same. Are you with me? For decade after decade after decade. And that's what you see in so many people. And that's not right. It just tells us that we're not moving on. Amen. I want you to catch this morning anyway on this one topic visionless mentality. God did not leave you without a vision and heaven help us if you can sit here without one you're in trouble <laughs> because there's a lot to see right now in this church amen. There's a lot it's pretty easy to see. I want you not just to see it but I want you to see your part in it. I want you to get a vision for your role in the future of where we're going. We need all hands on deck. We're negotiating right now actually myself and Pastor Tom, to get out of this building, we're hoping to move across the street here to Woodside Halls. And um, that seats 500, amen. So, but we need all hands on deck. We need everybody to be doing their part. And fully understanding. Ain't no devil going to mess up my mind. I know exactly what I'm doing. And I know why I'm here. And I know what I'm part of. That's vision, right? Don't be robbed of it, friends. Let God speak to you. Maybe something surprising. Something that he has, like he did with Peter, like he did with Gideon. And when he speaks, you start to prepare yourself to fight through that. Tell me, was Joshua and Caleb, were they popular? 
No, sir. Just in case, just one final point. <laughs> just in case you think that the next version of you, that you're going to get a slap on the back, I don't think so. They were hated. We're not going. We're staying here. The giants are too big. It's nice and cozy here. Too much work. Too much trouble. Can't do it. You see, the people who love you now, they'll probably hate you once you start changing, you know, <laughs> for the better. They're part of the you that was. And you've got to learn to leave them behind. You, amen? There's many people you have to leave behind because they're not part of your future. They're part of your past. I remember in one of our cell groups here, there was a, a certain individual giving trouble to one of our cell leaders. And it was a couple actually. And they came in here on Sunday morning and it was just lack of discipline. I didn't like it. You can't work with that, you know. I said, listen, you're going to obey your cell leader and that's it. And they said, oh, and they started walking out. And the cell leader came to me and said, what do I do? I said, I tell you the one thing you don't do, don't follow them. Let them go. I don't want them. They're not part of that which is to come. Not part of the next spirit. Not part of our, 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 our vision, our future. People like that are going to walk alone. Ten spies. Ten spies. Oh, you're going to lose friends, all right. You're going to lose friends because you're determined to change and determined to move on. Amen? And we need to stick very close, stick tight together and encourage each other as we pursue the will and the vision of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just invite the, the worship team back. Let's stand.